0: Matthew chapter 15. We're going to start a new chapter here this evening and kind of really just jump in it. Uh, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandments of God by your traditions? So, uh, immediately, we have a conflict, and it's interesting, it's about washing your hands, and, and we're in this pandemic that everybody's yelling at, and number one order is to wash your hands. But these guys aren't, stay calm, wash your hands. I, I found that online, that's why it's in the bathrooms around here, just relax, stay calm, wash your hands. But immediately here, you, you, you see the, a conflict sh- pop up. They say, why do your disciples do this? And he says, well, why do you do that? And uh, the issue there about the transgressions uh, uh, of the elders and and why do they transgress the commandments of God. And really what's going to happen here now is Matthew is going to go down through verse 20-ish. And he's going to demonstrate the conflict between Christ and the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders of Israel. And Matthew's going to focus in on the moral dilemma and the, and the moral condition of the nation. And really what Matthew, we're going to do now is we're going to see the heart issue. And that's really the problem here within the nation of Israel. Um, up until now, he, he showed that they've rejected Christ and that they've turned their backs on him. And he has showed who he, who he is. And, and, he, and Matthew has showed Christ's response to that. But now he's going to focus on the why did they reject him. And uh, really, that's going to be the issue here. Uh, and, and that issue in verse 2, Why do thy disciples transgress to the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And uh, that's really going to be the issue. He's going to take us all the way down to... to to verse twenty, the end of the section here, to, down to the paragraph mark on verse twenty-one, and when he does that, it, it, it's uh, it's it's this is a, a critical little section here to see. Now, this section is also talked about in Mark. So run over to Mark, Mark seven, because what's going to happen in Mark is you get a little more detail than um, than what. Uh, Matthew presents and uh, you get a little different uh, uh, viewpoint if you will Mark 7 verse 1 then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled now again that's that issue in Matthew about eat, that they, they're eating with unwashed hands okay that is to say with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands off, eat not, holding to the tradition of the elders. They, they wash their hands off, repeatedly off washing their hands. okay? Now the elders had this tradition, and actually they have hundreds of of rules and traditions that they've added to the law of Moses. And when they did that, come, hold on to Mark and Matthew, and run back to Deuteronomy 4. When, when they, and they had these traditions and these uh, regulations and rules, like about washing your hands and so forth, washing pots and pans and doing different things. And when they, when they did this, They they don't have anything to do with what God said in in his word. All right? Look at Matthew 4. Look at verse 1. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, under the statutes and under the judgments which I teach you, for to do them, that ye may live and go in and possess the land which which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you. If they, what did they do? They added to the word of God. So if they've added to what God told them, or if they were to leave something out of what they were told, then they're not being obedient to what the Lord told them. A Bible believing Jew would never drift to a new version of the Old Testament scriptures. They never would do that. You know, we have all these new versions out there and all this stuff. An Old Testament Jew would have never went to a new Bible. A Bible-believing Jew, I should say. These guys just did that. They've come along, come back to Mark 7. They, <coughs> they came along and they've added, again, hundreds and hundreds, uh, Mark 7, of, of traditions and uh, instructions to Moses, to the law. And again, they, when they did that, they destroyed their ability to worship God the way that they were intended to. They were not to add to the Word. They weren't to mess with it. They weren't to take, uh, take away from it. So they had all these regulations that they tra- the traditions of the fathers, they thought would help them obey what God said, which in reality... Mark 7, look at verse 7, and look at what it did to them. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Rather than helping them worship God, it literally made it empty, vain, no value. And literally their worship just, well, verse 8, for laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the traditions of men. Again, that's when the traditions that they had contradicted the Word of God. You know what they did? When when the Word contradicted with their tradition, you know what they did? The tradition. And I'll be honest with you, they went after human viewpoint and religious tradition. And we have the same problem today in the body of Christ. When the book says this and our tradition says something else, you know what we tend to do? We tend to go with the tradition. And it's dangerous. Verse um, 13, Mark 7, well, verse 9. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. They full well reject so that they can do what? Keep up what daddy told them to do. Family tradition. Verse 13. What happens? They're making the word of God of none effect through your traditions which ye have delivered and many such things do ye. Come back to Matthew 15. They take the value and the profit of the word of God and they destroy it by adding in their traditions, their religious ceremonies, their religious activities, their religious rites. They did all of that. And they did it all really because they had a heart problem. And their heart problem was that they were rebelling against the Word of God. Uh, We have a book back there, I think it might be back on the bookcase, called The Apostasy of the Church or something like that, apostasy. And you know what the fundamental problem in Israel was? They rejected the Word of God. You know what the fundamental problem in the church the body of Christ today is? They reject the word of God. And they go and they seek after and they do and they go after other things, human viewpoint, religious tradition, and you know what it does? It destroys the word of God, it destroys the impact of the word of God on people. So when you come back here to Matthew 15, the co- I mean, we come out of We come out of a feeding of the 5,000, the Lord's walking on water, all this stuff, and instantly he runs right into a confrontation, and he's going to call it on them. Now, this passage, to me, is one of the passages, this in Mark 7, and, and over in Luke and stuff we'll get to in a minute, where the Lord peels the bark off of these guys, peels their hide back, and everybody out there that says that, well, You know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And turn the other cheek and all this, have never read what the Lord Jesus Christ says to people in the Scriptures. They think he's this little limp-wristed little dude that just walked around and didn't do anything. And you know what? He was totally the opposite when it came to these guys, the religious leaders, and them messing with the Word. And we'll see that here in just a minute. Look at verse 4, Matthew 15, verse 4. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth against uh, uh, I'm sorry, he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profiteth by me. Isn't that interesting? You see, God says, you know what you guys are doing over there? You guys are taking what God said, and you're saying that's good. The word's good. But what really counts or what really matters is what we say. And this has to do with, again, substituting in human viewpoint and human tradition (laughs) for the word of God. You okay? We're not online? We should be. Oh, okay. Well, not much I can do. Tell them to text Ricky. <laughs> okay. Look at Matthew 15. Look at verse number 9. 15, 9. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. Again, you can't follow, worship God by following human tradition. It just can't be done, and if you try to do it, and you're doing it, and you're working at it, and all the all you're doing is just vain. It's just vanity. It's just empty. Um, come over to, with me to First Peter, chapter one. First uh, Peter, chapter one. First Peter one, verse eighteen. First Peter one, verse eighteen. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the traditions from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of the lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. Notice that they are redeemed by the blood of Christ, but notice that what they're redeemed from. They weren't redeemed from the corruptible things, like silver and gold. What were they redeemed from? Your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. In other words, the things that were they were redeemed from was the issue of religious bondage to a false system established by the elders, and the traditions of the fathers. See? And it goes back to, if you think about Israel and Israel's history with God, God redeems them from Egypt. Come and see your salvation. Here it is. They were redeemed from what, though? Really. Religious bondage in Egypt. Those ten plagues that the Lord does, those that go up against the ten gods of Egypt to show that he is God and there's none else. And he nails them between the, you know, every time, nails them down. And when Israel's released finally, what it says is, is there's no God out there but the God of Israel. And we're going to release you from the religious bondage that was in Egypt. Come over to Colossians chapter 2. Now, just as this is important for Israel, it's just as important for you and I today in the Age of Grace because what tends to happen in the Age of Grace is we want to come along and we want to have unity with everybody so we forsake the truth for the unity. So we're going to have all the different groups out here come and sit and meet together and do... And yet, what really happens is the truth gets lost in the conversation. You can never sacrifice doctrine, sound doctrine, on the altar of of unity because it will just, you've lost. Come over to Colossians 2. That's where we need to be. Colossians 2. What happened several years ago, I say that, probably 10 years ago now time flies when you're having a good time we there was a guy back east uh, down in the Louisiana Mississippi Alabama area that wanted to have a unity conference and he was inviting grace preachers to come and all sit on the stage and, and ha- have a conference and, and it all be about unity. The problem is is the preachers he called one was an acts 2 dispensationalist one was an acts 28 one was in Acts 9, one was in Acts 13, one didn't know, then one uses an NIV, one uses an NASV, one over here uses a King James, one doesn't care, he's going to use his opinion, and all of a sudden you, how, you can't have unity there then. Because if I get up and give you the gospel, and then the guy that gets Acts 2, he's he he going to give you a different gospel, because he's coming from, so you can't have what? There's no way to have unity on that. So what he did was he sacrificed the issues, and he gave a list of things you can't talk about. And the whole, number one was the Bible issue. Then what are we doing? Number two, the rest of the list was all dispensational in nature. What are we doing? And uh, needless to say, the conference didn't go off like he thought it was going to. You know, I I understand the idea, you know, because everybody's in different, you know, all this stuff. But you can never... You can't have that issue of unity when you are going to sacrifice sound doctrine. Paul tells us to speak the same thing. Well, if we're going to speak the same thing, then guess what we've got to have? The same doctrine. We've got to have the same Bible, and then we have to have the same doctrine. So just as it is for Israel to get stuck in the human tradition and the religious, guess what can happen with us? Same thing. Colossians 2, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of, war, of the world, and not after Christ. Beware. Look out. Lest going to any man spoil you. That issue of carrying you off captive to the victor goes the spoils. You better watch out for philosophy and tradition because those things produce... A vain deceit. They produce empty, false systems that come along and deceive people and put them into bondage and make them prisoners of a false system that's out there. They just come along and they, by the way, Colossians 2, you see four attacks by the adversary. Verse 8 is the second attack. What's he going to do? He's using tradition, he's using philosophy. He's using rudiments of the world, rudiments, rudim, rud, you know, rudimentary, basic stuff. He's not using $10 words out of the ivory tower. Now, he's using the system that gets to the ivory tower. But he's just using basic things. Come over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So the issue of tradition, that's what the Lord's getting at in Matthew. We're talking about us here. But there are some traditions that are authorized by the word of God to follow and to keep. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. Now we commend you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. You see, there is some tradition there that we're receiving from Paul, that we're to do what? Maintain and keep. Verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. The only traditions that are binding on a believer today are the traditions that are found in Paul's epistles. It's clear. And and I know what happens when you... Get together and you have a good time and everything. You start f- developing traditions. We have some traditions here that we've been doing over the years. And what you, what begins to happen is, is you begin to focus in on that and you lose sight of the sound doctrine. <laughs> and you have to be on guard about that. So come back to Matthew 15. So what the Lord's doing here, <clears throat> Matthew 15. Uh, And again, I'll be honest with you, folks, you can spend time in 1 Thessalonians 5, Romans 12, Colossians 3, and Ephesians 4. And if you take some time with each of those chapters, 1 Thessalonians 5, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and Colossians 3, those four chapters and you write down all the stuff in there for you and I to do, and you focus in on that, you'll forget about tradition in a hurry. Because, four. Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, Romans 12, and 1 Thessalonians 5. Because there's so much listed in those four chapters for a believer to, one, it'll take you a week in each chapter to figure out everything he told you. Then it'll take you a lifetime to then go and learn about them. And then it'll take you enough life, another lifetime to go live them. Because, to, you know, in, 1 Thessalonians 5, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. That's one in the list, right? Okay. In, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, Romans 12, Colossians 3, and Ephesians 4. In the chapters. There's a li- Romans 12, there's there's a whole list of stuff in there. That man, you go in there and you get in and you start writing it down, then you gotta go learn what he means by them. And then you gotta go, okay, how do I do that? <laughs> and there's a lot of it in there. And when you do that, you'll real quickly forget about following human tradition and the traditions of the elders. Anyway, back to Matthew 15. We got a half hour to do the chapter here, so we got to get rolling. Verse four: For God uh, commanded, saying, "Honor thy f- thy father and mother." And he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, "It is a gift," by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. In other words, they had a tradition that was taking the law of God, making the law of God meaningless. And basically, it's that thing there in verse number 5 about it is a gift. If you hold on here and run back over to Mark 7, it's got a name. Mark 7 verse 11. And it's called Mark 7, 11. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father and mother, it is Corban. That is to say, a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. Basically, what he's saying there is, is you guys took the law, said it's good, but we're going to do what I say. And if you give us a gift, you... Okay, <laughs> you come along and you make a gift here then you'll be free of your responsibility under that law in other words you can pay your way out of it okay come over to Matthew 23 basically what they're saying is, is if you don't honor your mother and your father there's a punishment that's gonna come but they'd set up a tradition that said if you bring a gift down here to the temple and you give the gift to the temple, that by giving this gift to the temple down here, you can get out of your responsibilities to take care of your mom, your dad, and you can you, you can you bring profit to the temple, and by doing that, you're free to, you're free of your responsibilities. Because basically, what they're saying is, you're gonna honor mother and father, you're gonna take care of them. That's your job. Well, we slipped over here and gave a little bit of you know, a gift. Matthew 23, if you look at verse 18, and whosoever shall swear by the altar, that is, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. That idea of the gift there is bringing it to the temple and the tradition was if you come there and you give the gift to the temple, to the Pharisees, to the religious system... And you got involved that you'd be free from what the law said you had to do. Sound familiar? A little pay the penance. Get them out of purgatory. Get them over here. Cover this. You know, you know they, Paul talks about them devouring whole houses. You know, low, ma- low pay, low mass. No pay, no mass. High pay, high mass type of idea. Where they're doing it for filthy lucre's sake. That's the issue. Come back to Matthew 15. So, <laughs> verse 7, Matthew 15, verse 7. Notice the first two words. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand now notice what they're doing (laughs) ye hypocrites that's not a that's not a hey let's all get along here guys that's a calling it the way it is the real problem with israel was that they would draw near to god with their mouth with all the rules and regulations and traditions but their hearts were what Far from him. Come over to Romans nine. Romans chapter nine. I was studying this today for the Romans class on Sunday, and I tell you what, <laughs> Paul lays without Paul in your Bible, you're missing a lot of information. Especially about our justification. But look at what Paul says about about Israel. Romans nine. He's going to nail it right on the head here, verse thirty. Romans nine, verse thirty. What shall we say then the gentiles which followed not after the right after righteousness have attained to righteousness even the righteousness which is of faith but Israel which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained to the law of righteousness wherefore all right well, how is this why why did the gentiles are doing it but why isn't Israel doing it because they and that's Israel, sought it not by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him, that's Christ, shall not be ashamed. The reason that Israel missed Christ, stumbled on him, stumbled over him, was that they weren't looking for God. They weren't seeking God. How? By faith. They were not following God on the basis of faith. Come back to Matthew 15. Rather, they were following Him on the basis of their works and the basis of their religious activity and on the basis of traditions of the fathers, so they missed Him. You remember in our study in John, over there in John 18, they wouldn't even go in the building because if they went in the building, it would pollute them and, and, and pass over. They'd turn in the Lord over to um, uh, Caiaphas and Caiaphas and then were taking him to the Hall of Judgment. Wine, going into a stinking building was going to pollute them, so they stood out in the court and they sent him in to Herod. Huh? Do you know that that is nowhere found in the in the law? But it's a tradition of the fathers. So they, they were... They were, in the, they were rejecting him because they weren't looking for him. They weren't obeying the word. They're over here doing something else. Okay? Uh, Matthew 15. Don't forget verse 7, ye hypocrites. Now look at verse 10. He called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. He called the multitude. He's talking to the Pharisees and when he said well, up to this point okay now he turns to the multitude because all right everybody come in here i want to tell you something hear and understand listen to this so you don't miss it i want everybody to get this okay verse 11 not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man but that which cometh out of the mouth this defileth a man in other words the physical things aren't the problem the problem is what's going on inside of you (laughs) the problem isn't you've got the physical descendancy stuff figured out the problem is your son of Adam and we got a sin problem we got a heart problem and that's the problem if you drop down to verse 18 he tells you, but those things which proceeded out of the mouth came forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. And he just lays it right out there for him. The things, these things right here. Are identified of what defiles a man, but going over there and eating without washing your hands doesn't isn't defiling you. Now you ought to wash your hands before you eat. You know, I was I was looking on Facebook with all the crazy stuff going on with washing your hands and the mask and everything, and it, it, the it little meme said that uh, if you Took a worm and baited a hook and then went over and washed your hands in the creek and then sat down and ate your sandwich, you're okay. I don't know if you've ever done that. I have. Where you go in there and you dig the worm out of the little bucket, put him on the hook, and guts come out, and you get him all wrapped up, you throw him in, you reach down, and then you sit down watching your bobber and you have your sandwich, you're okay. <laughs> okay, you know. Now, wash your hands. That, my mom used to wash your hands, boys. And we would slip through and, and off we would go. And, no, go back, you know. Okay. He's not talking about hygiene. He's talking about what? You guys are focusing on the wrong problem. The problem is your heart, not this, this outside physical stuff. Verse 12. Then came his disciples and said unto them, him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? You know what they say. saying? You, the, now, notice, it's the disciples come to him and say the Pharisees were offended. They didn't like to hear what you just said. Now, again, what did he just say? All your religious stuff is the problem. They didn't like that. They, they had their little feelings hurt. Ye hypocrites. Verse 8. What offended them, by the way, is that stuff down in verse 18 down there. And 19. What defiles the man is what's going on inside. Verse 20. You see, he nailed the heart issue on them. I, you know, every ta- everybody today is so offended by every little thing. And it's like... <laughs> The Lord just put it right there for them. It's been said, somebody said, I can't can't remember where the quote came from, where sin is cherished, truth is never relished. And that's, that's what's going on here. You know what these guys cherished? They cherished the sin of their religious activity. So you know what they did to truth? They just said it over there in the corner. We'll get to that. We'll have that on Wednesday night Bible study. And then it never comes up. I know grace guys that were that way. We'll preach one way Sunday morning so we can get the big crowd and get the big building and everything. And then on Wednesday night, we'll go through some right division stuff. And you know what happened to the stuff on Wednesday night? Never got there. Because as soon as they started teaching right division, you know what happened to the crowd on Sunday morning? Went down. And you know what they were after? To have the big crowd and the, and the popularity. And they missed it. Verse 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. (laughs) Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. You notice he didn't say, oh, it's okay, I'll go apologize to them. I'll make them feel better. I'll smooth it over with. I'll work it out. I'll kneel with them. I'll do this. No, you know what he said? Let them alone. That's what he said. He, don't worry about those religious leaders out there. God's going to remove them. That issue there about the plant rooting up. Father hath not planted. Every plant which my father hath not planted. Picture there of that religious leadership going off in the traditions of. The elders, disobeying the word of God, moving away from the word of God. What are they? They're blinded. Let them alone. God's going to remove them. He's going to go root them up. He's going to take the kingdom from them and give it to that little flock. I'll take the kingdom from you. Don't worry, little flock. I'll take the kingdom from them and give it to you. You're out doing the works of repentance and so forth. You don't worry about them. God will take care of them. Those blind leaders are just leading the blind, and uh, they're the blind, he gonna go fall in the ditch, you know. And when you think about that issue about the ditch, every nothing's missed here. Come back to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. I, I thought I was thinking about that the ditch, and uh, went back in some of my old notes. <laughs> The ditch. Here's 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 how you identify the ditch. Proverbs 23, verse 27. For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. Again, now if you study Proverbs out, you'll find out some things real quick about the strange woman and the whore here. And again, he's not talking about the street worker ladies and stuff of the night. Okay? In the book of Proverbs, the whore and the strange woman are associated with the whore of Revelation 17, Mystery Babylon the Great, the whore that sitteth over there. You remember that? Come on over to Revelation 17. You got to... I mean, I know what everybody got to get their brain, brains out of the gutter. You know, you read through the book, and everybody, oh, man, he's talking about whores. Well, you've got to pay attention to what he's talking about when he's talking about... Okay, Revelation 17, verse 5, and upon her forehead, or verse 4, verse 1. Uh, Revelation 17, 1, and there came one of the seven angels, which had uh, the seven vials, and talked with me, saying... Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Alright, she's got the kings there, they're drunk in verse 2. And by the way, they're drunk with the wine of her fornication. That's a re- We're talking about religion. Everybody says talks about Adam and Eve took and ate the apple. It wasn't an apple, it was a grape the association of the vine tree that was in the garden and the wine issues that come up and how it's all associated with, uh, with the issue of, of uh, religious service and religious ceremonies. Verse 3, she's sitting there with scarlet-colored bees, so she's got a color. Verse 4, she's arrayed in purple and scarlet cover decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden... All of this religious paraphernalia that you see associated with Baal worship. Verse 5, she's got a name. Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. There's the, that cup drink, that drink in Psalms and... Back in Isaiah and everything where they come up and they take the overcomers from chapter 2 and 3 and they cut them, they, they slice their throat open and they just, she sticks that chalice up underneath. It's all done, it gets the blood and has a communion service, if you will, right there in the temple of God. And everybody's ooh, and it's, you see it, it's all associated with the religious system of Baal worship. And you know what Proverbs 23 says? You know where the whore ends up? in the ditch and in Matthew 15 where do they end up in the ditch you know what they're doing they're over there in that religious system of the antichrist and when he said go back to Matthew 15 and when he says there let them alone they be blind leaders of the blind and if the blind lead the blind both shall fall into the ditch what he's talking about is you let those guys go god's going to deal with them and they're going to go right out over there into the Antichrist religion, and that will just take them right into the tribulation, and they're going to get destroyed. And you know what religious tradition always does to you? It always ends up participating in the religious system. Paul tells you and I in 1 Corinthians, he says, What concord hath light with darkness? What concord hath Belial with the believers? What, that passage in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 6. Now i got to go look, because I just drew a blank. Doggun it. Good for us to look at it. 2 Corinthians 6. Sorry, 2 Corinthians 6. That's why I drew a blank in my head. 2 Corinthians 6. You start there in verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together, together with unbelievers... And I know what everybody says. This is talking about marriage. They ain't talking about marriage. 1 Corinthians 7 talks about marriage. This is not talking about business. People use this about not doing business. If you couldn't do business with unbelievers, you couldn't buy gas or food or groceries or any of it. You have to sit home and order it all online. And then, by the way, guess who's going to bring it to your front door? An unbeliever, more than likely. So just, it's not talking about... It's talking about religion, It's talking about denominationalism. It's talking about being sucked into the religious system of the Antichrist for you and I today. That's what he's talking about. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what uh, part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? (laughs) We don't have a real You know what Paul's saying there, by the way? For verse 16, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Paul goes back to Isaiah 52 and pulls out a quote. Then verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughter, saith the Lord. That unclean thing is Baal worship. It's the religious system. He says. Paul says, don't go, if you're participating in that, you need to get out of it. A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. And I know, you know, we all come back to Matthew 15. I'm not mad at anybody, just, this is what we're talking about, okay? I know we all come from different backgrounds, and you still have hooks with people and this and that, and you know what Paul says? Don't have the hooks anymore. Come out of that, get separated from it, and I know we have family and friends, and You go do, and that's fine. But ultimately, what are you going to have to do? Get rid of the hooks. Sever the cord. Because if you don't, it's still going to be the trap to pull you back. Because I'll say something that you don't like, and you'll get mad. And the next thing you know, you've called Sister Susie, and she's like, well, come on back to our church. We're loving down here. And you know what you are? You're sucked right over there to the lovey, yeah, Sister Susie, you know, okay. I always think about Sister Susie selling seasho- seashells on the seashore, you know, the little tongue twisters in speech class, okay. You know, and that's what ha- And Paul says, knock that mess off. That's what, he, that's what the Lord's doing here when the disciples come up and say, they were offended. You know what he says? Knock it off. I don't care. God, the fo- God's going to deal with them. Verse fifteen. Then, and I watch Peter, goofball. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding, Peter? I just spent thir- chapter thirteen with you, telling you what the parables are. But you know what? Nothing from verse one to thirteen is a parable, Peter. Are you a little thick-headed today? Are you without understanding? There's not a parable in there. Peter thought he was speaking figuratively, speaking in a parable, and he wasn't. Folks, this is literally the deal. It's real. And it's a real, it's really the thing that's going on inside of the nation of Israel and Peter missed it. I just I, I read that I go Peter you blew it. I mean, <laughs> Verse seventeen. Do not ye understand that who that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and it cast out into the draught. We understand that. Don't you understand that stuff? The stuff isn't the problem what's going on inside of you verse 18 but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts false witness, blasphemes these are the things which defile a man but to eat with unwashed hands defile not a man Boy, what a statement on on human depravity right there. The part that is kin to Adam, that old sin nature, that's the problem. And you know what Israel's problem was? The same problem you and I have, sin, that old sin nature. And the Lord shows up, and he shows up as their Messiah he's going to do, and they reject him, and they kick him to the curb. And the reason that Israel rejects Christ is because of that heart problem, and that's the point. That's what's going on here. And literally what happens is, is they become bound by that heart of unbelief, to that system of to the traditions of the fathers and the elders. They become bound to it. They can't get away from it. I think about Nicodemus. John 3, he comes to the Lord in, in the night <laughs> so that he wouldn't be found out. Now, he was a believer, but he, wasn't, he didn't want the, the pressure. We studied that. when John, he didn't want the... But, because he approaches later after the crucifixion to get the body of Christ. But he comes in by night. Don't, don't, don't see me. I'll sneak in. Rather than making the bold statement. Well, if you made the bold statement, what would have happened to him? He'd have been ridiculed out of business. Verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. When, he, when, he, when the Bible talks about coast there... He's talking about borders. That's what he's talking about. Because if you go on the map and try to find the coast of Tyre and Sidon, it ain't there. (laughs) Okay? And by the way, we've seen Tyre and Sidon already when they were in the the comparison back there uh, with Sodom and Gomorrah and so forth. And they were places of judgment. So he goes out there into these places of judgment. The nation has rejected him and he goes out here to where this judgment is and And yet from thence he demonstrates his faithfulness because, verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan. In Mark 7, she's called a woman of Syrophoenician. She's a Greek. She's a half-breed, half Syrian and half Phoenician. She's a Gentile woman. She's a Greek. And they come, come out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou Son of David." My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Now, she's got a problem. Her kid's demon-possessed. But she comes and she cries, Oh, Lord. Now, that's a good start. Okay? She cries out to him as the son of David. She recognizes that he was the Messiah. She recognizes that he is the son of David. But notice verse 23 but he answered her not a word. Now you need, you got to pay attention to that because this is something that Christ hasn't done up to this point. He's usually responded and helped and healed, Jairus' daughter and all this stuff. But here's a woman in need. She comes to him with mercy, uh, with a daughter, vexed with uh, a devil. She cries for mercy. She cries out to him in faith, claiming, identifying him as the Messiah and the King and the Son of David. And yet, he doesn't, he couldn't do anything for her. Because as the Son of David, he couldn't. He was bound, as the Son of David... He's bound and pledged to be Israel's Messiah and that it was through it was Israel through whom the blessings had to go. He couldn't do it, it had to go through Israel. Now watch what he's going to do. Verse 23. And his disciples came and besought him saying, "Send her away for she crieth after us. She's nagging at us, Lord. Send Nah. I, I was thinking about uh, Clint Eastwood movie, Dirty Harry, because I was looking at you know I was looking at a holster and stuff for my gun. I guess I shouldn't say that on tape, but it is. And then in one of the movies, he's it's, he's all beat up, and he's at the end of the movie. He's laying there. And she's yelling, Harry, you can't die on me. And he looks up and he goes, nag, nag, nag. <laughs> and that's what they, Lord, she's nagging at us. Send her away. Get rid of her. But he answered, verse 24, and said, I am not sent unto the, un, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, you think about that. He can't do anything to help her as the son of David. Because she's a Gentile is exactly right. He sums up the totality of His ministry as it is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in one verse. If you come over to Romans 15. Look at Romans 15. and verse 8. Hold on to Matthew, but Romans 15. <clears throat> Romans 15, verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. See, he he wasn't being, he he was simply doing what he was there to do. And as he goes on and deals with the woman and with Israel, Israel first had to be dealt with. Look at verse 9. And, that the Gentiles might glorify God for His what? His mercy. As it is written. By the way, you know what that woman cried out first? Mercy. Have mercy on me. Matthew 15, 22. Have mercy on me. Romans fifteen nine, And that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess to, the, to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. That's what the woman came. She said, Lord, I need mercy. You're the son of David. But as the son of David, he couldn't give her mercy yet because Israel was not the channel at that time. They're often unbelief. Now, keep reading, by the way, here. Verse 10, and again he saith, rejoice ye Gentiles, next word, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah, um, it's Isaiah, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentile trust Israel was to be the channel of blessings. And you know what Paul's saying there is? They weren't ready. Go back to Matthew 15. What the Lord is saying in Matthew 15 is, I can't help you because Israel is to be the channel, and they're not ready yet. Prophetically, one day, Paul, what Paul's laying out in Romans 15, is one day they will be. But right now, Romans 15, I'm sorry, Matthew 15 they're not Matthew 15 verse 25 now watch what she does then came she and worshiped him saying Lord help me three words Lord help me now she's gonna do something that no one else ever did to the Lord right here but he answered and said it is not meat it's not right Okay, to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. What kind of response is that? He calls her a dog. He says, hey, lady, it isn't right for me to help you. He, it isn't right. <laughs> he, he literally looks over there, and he just looks at her, and he says, you're nothing but a dog. What? What's going on here? You know, he doesn't say, here, come, come. Suffer the children to come unto me. He doesn't say that at all. He says, Listen, lady, hold on here, look over at Mark 7. Again, a little more detail in Mark 7. Look at verse 7, uh, Mark 7, verse 27. And Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled. For it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it under the dogs. Israel first had to be fed. I'm sorry, filled not just fed. They had to be filled up. Then the crumbs, come back to Matthew 15, then the blessings flowed to the dogs. The overage went to the dogs. Matthew 15, verse 26, But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs call that woman a dog <laughs> I, I one time little Ricky was a little boy and he goes ah we're just Gentile dogs <laughs> I guess he was listening to one of dad's sermons or something you know <laughs> or grandpa who knows you know well that's what he that's what, that's in Israel's program that's what it means but again I want you to, by the way I hope you notice the Lord't he isn't being gentle here. He's offended the the, fair, the religious leader. He says, I don't care. God's going to deal with them. And this woman comes looking for mercy, and you know what he does? You're a dog. I, I can't help you. He didn't even talk to her, by the way. He hasn't spoken one word to her yet. He talked. She went over there and nagged on, the, on his disciples. His disciples came and said, would you deal with her? He goes, I can't. I'm not sent to the lost sheep, of the, but to the lost sheep of Israel. Now he's speaking to her, verse 26, because of three words, Lord, help me. You see that? But he answered and said, Now it is not me. Now he says something to her, verse 27. And she said, Now she's going to get him right here. She says, Truth, Lord. You're right, Lord. I'm just a dog, I'm no good. I'm dirty, rotten outcast. I'm that low down, dirty, rotten dog. Move over, hot dog cold dog, because the hot dog's moving in. Move it over. That's me. You know what? The Pharisees never said that in the first 20 verses. They never say it. She looks up there and she says, You know what, Lord, you're right. I'm nothing. She's not claiming anything in herself. She understands what's happening. She says, "Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table." Now she did again, she did she just turned the tables on the Lord is what she did. You go back there to Proverbs 12, by the way, verse number 10. And he talks about a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. You know what a righteous man does? He takes care of his animals. He takes care of his dogs, doesn't he? And you know what she just did? She said, you're right, Lord. I'm a dog, and I'm an outcast, and I'm out here, and I'm no good at all. I know who I am. And she got right where she belonged, and she got him. She said, okay, I got you. You're right. But look at verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And And her daughter was made whole. You see what she did? When he says in verse 27, the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table, she says, yep, Lord, I want the blessing. I'm coming, I am completely willingly to be subject to, to the right people. I'm willing to be subject to Israel. I'm willing to get under the table and just eat of the overage. She got what she got because she came through Israel. She addresses him as, the, as who he is. But you know where she went? Right down on the, she got right in the pecking order is what she did. And again, you go over there. He says, great is thy faith. Mark 7 again. Interesting how Mark says it. Mark seven twenty eight, And she answered and said unto him, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. Verse 29, and he said unto her, For this saying, go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. Because, for this saying, notice that. For this, what did she just say? The dogs eat from the, under the table, from the crumbs of the table. In other words, when Matthew says, Great is thy faith, it compares over there because of what you said. You see, the woman had content, doctrinal content, that's appropriate to the dispensational setting in her faith. In faith, she rested on the program that God had in order at that moment, which was that the blessings were going to flow not directly to her, but through the nation of Israel. And she's there. Now come back to Matthew 15. That's fascinating. She here, it is, a little Gentile woman. She knew the game plan. I think about Rahab and back in J, in, in uh, Joshua back there. She hid those spies. She's doing right, claiming the Abrahamic covenant. She this lady didn't claim the Abrahamic covenant. She claimed the blessings that were to come from him, the son of David, through the nation of Israel. I climb underneath that table and wait. But my daughter. Have mercy, Lord, help me. She's right there. Then verse 29, Matthew 15, 29. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak and the maimed to to walk to be whole and the lame to walk, and the blind the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. You see that the God of Israel is glorified in the healing. And again, we've been talking about it when you see. Christ providing once again, providing for his little for his remnant. He's showing them, look, I'm faithful to provide the blessings to you that I promised. If Israel would just get right, I would take care of you. I would provide for my people. I would provide for the for the remnant for everyone. See, look at what he just did to the multitude. Verse. 31, 32, then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude. The Pharisees he didn't have compassion on. He just ripped them. He offended them. Oh, you offended us. I don't care. They were the original snowflakes. There they were. Toughen up, buttercup. There they are. He says, He called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the multitudes, because they continued with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, When should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus said unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven and a few little fishes. Interesting. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and broke them, gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat, now watch, and were, what, filled. They took up the, bro- the broken meat that was left, seven basketfuls, and they that did eat were 4,000 men besides women and children. He, he feeds them now. Before it was 5,000. Now he's doing 4,000. Before he had a different setup situation. Now he's feeding them again. <laughs> Verse 37 there, they did eat till they were what? Filled. Isn't that interesting? What did the woman say? That the children are to be filled, then the overage, the crumbs go to the dogs. When he, that's what he told the woman, the children had to be filled first. Now they're filled, and now there are seven baskets left over. Before he had 12, remember? Mm-hmm. When he fed the 5,000, one for each of the tribes. Now there's seven after feeding 4,000. Num- the, the number four in scripture is a number that represents the world, the four corners of the earth and the world and so forth, the world out there. It's a number that represents the world, and seven is a number that represents completeness, perfection. They've gathered up seven baskets. They gathered up a perfect, complete provision for all of the needs of the world. The children are fed, they're full, and here are the crumbs left over for the dogs, for the Gentiles. The provisions for the world is there. So what Christ is doing, really here, is He's like, look, Israel, look, Israel, they're going to be uprooted. Forget about them. They're going to go into the ditch. <laughs> they're an apostate group. They're let them go. I'm drawing out my people, my believing, my little flock, and I'm going to keep my promises. I'm going to keep my program, and it's going to go through them instead. And I'll make the provision last, and I'll fulfill everything so that they're filled, and we've got an overage for, we've got crumbs for the Gentiles, for the world. Verse 39, and he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. Again, over and over here in Matthew, we've seen pictures that Matthew is painting for us that Christ was the Messiah and that Israel had a heart problem of unbelief. And that that's the basic problem. And that is what happened to Israel. And yet there's that faithful remnant. That God is going to be faithful to keeping his promises in the face of Israel's unbelief. Drawing out his faithful remnant. Working through them. Taking the blessings out away from that apostate nation. Funneling them in through the nation of God. The, Israel, the true Israel of God. Okay? So you see, what's the problem with Israel? They got a heart problem. They're into the traditions. And God says, that's okay. Let them alone. Let's go over here and concentrate on what we're doing. And through the picture of that little Gentile woman, she says, Lord, help me. And he says, I can't. And she goes, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> let me get in the right position under the table. And let me eat the crumbs that come off of the master's table. And as, the moment she does that, she, he says, great is thy faith. Because you went and got in the right. And then he turns and he says, okay, I'm still going to pour out my blessings to my people. And he heals the multitudes. And then he goes and he says, well, I got to feed them. So he feeds them. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of my mouth. <laughs> and he says, there's the picture, guys, of the blessings flowing and the overage going to the world. Okay? Now, Matthew 16, verse 1, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees. Uh-oh, they went and got help. <laughs> and now they're going to come up again against him, and uh, we'll start looking at all that next week. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your Son. We'll give you the praise and blessings and the honor for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.